Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, we sit down with a longtime member, Christian Kalb, an absolutely fascinating guy. We get into his story in real estate. He's actually a full-time real estate investor, and we meet a lot of people who want to be full-time real estate investors. So he kind of maps out his journey and the fascinating thing about this is we just literally scratch the surface. By the end of this podcast, we are just getting the basics of his story. So we're going to be bringing him back in a few months to go do a deeper level of discussion with him because there's more to Christian than we discuss on this particular episode. So you're going to hear um, someone who wanted to get into real estate, was in the corporate world, kind of in the rat race, and managed to break free from that and build a whole new life for him as a full-time investor great guy and you'll hear his story and on this episode as well we have the coach here at rockstar that he worked with john paul gulbis and we definitely do not do a good enough job at tracking down different coaches here at rockstar to sit on this podcast and share their story and some some of them are shy they don't want to some of them are just too busy they're out on the streets working with investors and they love it and that's why we can't bring them all in not not everyone's just sitting around here available to sit on a, on a podcast so when we get the opportunity to get john paul gulbis in here he is one one of the most veteran coaches we have here and we don't have him on enough but he shares some of his story on how he started with us and it's just crazy I guess it's been about 10 years and uh, it's, it's crazy the journey that we've all uh, gone through together and he has helped hundreds of investors on tens of millions of dollars of investment real estate and he does just such a wonderful job at making sure people get properties that are right for them that match their goals that are uh, kind of match their short-term objectives and their long-term goals going through the cash flow numbers tracking down properties all across the gta for investors so just thrilled that he would be able able to be on this episode as well and listen, if you are listening to this and you want to hang out with investors like Christian, you can learn more about the Rockstar Inner Circle membership at www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. We list off all the benefits there and we're always updating the membership, bringing out new content to the membership. We have newsletters that go out and online classes. We do in-person classes too and we'll be bringing those back shortly. I think we all miss the social inter interaction. We have monthly audios. We have some new announcements for the membership on some things that we're releasing and the way we're releasing them um, that we're pretty excited about. We're just holding that back for a little bit, but you'll hear more about that soon. Um, so if you are listening to this and you want to check out the Rockstar Inner Circle membership, you can go to www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member. With that, let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. We are live with Christian Kalb. I won't ask you anything about your last name. I won't ask you a thing about your last name, but I do need to ask, can you hear me okay? I can hear you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and JP Gulbis. Um, for those of you listening to this podcast and don't know JP, Christian, I'm just going to introduce this guy because he's not on enough. JP has been with us since the start of time. Okay, JP is one of the original OGs of Rockstar, and he's hardly on these podcasts, so I need to pump your tires here a little bit. I want to share something. We did a class in Burlington, Ontario once. He came in, we're probably two years into the business at that point, 
18 months, if that. Yeah, yeah something yeah, like that. Yeah. Something like that. And JP, you're going to have to come closer to the mic oh, for shit. sure. Yeah, you're too, too tall. You're too tall. Angle this thing up. Get nice and cozy with the mic. And uh, after the class, somebody leaves us a handwritten note. Do you know this, Christian? So, no. Okay, he leaves us a handwritten First of all, it was on the back of the page that we wanted you to sign up to become a Rockstar Inner Circle member, but he didn't fill that out. But instead, he's, he wrote out a handwritten note, and he's like, hey, I know what kind of marketing you guys do. I'm on to your game. You guys are doing something called direct response marketing. I, I see what you're doing. And I really think that I want to work with you guys. Give me a call if you guys need some extra hands or whatever. And uh, it was just signed off like, John Paul Gulbis. And I showed this to Nick like that night after everybody left. I'm like, Nick, do you remember this guy? I go, I vaguely remember some guy handing us this. I go, I guess we should call him. So we call him. He comes in. He sits down. And he's like, yeah, I want to work with you guys. JP, just correct me where I go off here. And I'm like, who are you? He goes, well, I have my real estate license. I work in St. Catharines at some brokerage. And I also train horses to jump over bars and this kind of stuff. And that's equestrian. Yeah, equestrian. And I also do some modeling. Do you know this stuff? Chris? Yes. Okay. And he, and he, and I'm like, you're, so let me get this straight. You're like a male model who trains horses, but has his real estate license and wants to start working with us. Like I'm trying to connect the dots, right? Of how this works. I go back in the, in the office and it was executive suites. And, uh, I think I just probably needed a break from talking to you. And I'm like, Nick, there's this guy. I don't know. He seems like a good guy. He's got a kind of a crazy story, but I think, I think maybe it's a fit. <laughs> and and, uh, and I think Nick's like, well, I don't know if you think it's a fit, we could use some help. So I'll say, yeah. And you began working with us. And for the first, I almost feel like two years you were filling properties. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, well, I don't know if it was two years, but it was, it was, I feel like it was eight, long eight months because I remember that, that it almost sunk me, uh, financially, but I made it through and here we are. <laughs> no, but yeah, when it almost sunk you, we didn't, just so you know, just so everyone's aware, JP was filling properties because at that time, I think you were buying one of your first investment properties yeah. and, and well, we had bought it before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You had yeah. bought it before and we were like, well, we don't know if you have enough experience yet. So we need you to fill 20 rent to own homes. No, no, no. It was five. Was it five? Yeah. <laughs> I got it felt like 20. Dude, okay. It took eight months was to five? fill five. Okay. Yeah. Okay, uh, so five rent-to-own homes, but and uh, you did it, and then you started working with investors, and the rest. Of, now it's been like a decade of of working over with over eleven years. Yeah, yeah, eleven years, and uh, crazy man, crazy yeah. that you survived that. And Christian, just so you know, the reason that he could barely survive is it didn't pay a lot to fill people's homes. Mm-hmm. And Nick and I were so busy building the business, we didn't really know his financial situation. We knew what you were kind of making, but we didn't know everything in your life obviously until a couple years later where you were like holy shit man i that was that was really kind of tough well yeah because i had asked how how long would it take you know oh a couple months you know it's like (laughs) okay a couple months i can do that eight months oh geez you know with almost no income but that's okay yeah yeah, but you did it you did did it it. yeah Yeah. yeah. and now it's been hundreds of i don't know no you're well over i don't know how many millions of dollars in uh, investment property you've worked with probably just with christian you're over 100 million <laughs> yeah i'm yeah, yeah. definitely <laughs> um but uh but yeah dude it's so good to just reminisce on that kind of story and see that journey together it's uh it's been crazy man oh it's, i mean yeah best decision ever made yeah, you know yeah, yeah. definitely yeah you get, i'm drawn to the best come closer to the mic i'm drawn to the best yeah so there you go yeah um so then how did you go how, so how did you two cross paths you became a rock star member 
And then what did you say to this? Did you just say, I want to start buying properties? It was after one year of researching um, Rockstar Real Estate, probably because of the name, right? Like Rockstar Real Estate. Like, <laughs> what, what, what are these guys about? You know, um, I came to the class and then after the class, I specifically spoke to you and Nick. Um, you probably don't remember. But I said, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of already advanced. Like, I think I know what I'm doing. And, you know, I, I was so scared that you would assign like a junior uh, agent to me. And I had worked with other agents before and it was always a, a shitty experience um, because they're like, oh, yeah, I'm an investor. I know all, all about investment properties. And then they were garbage. Right. I mean, to be to be honest. And then uh, I just said, like, I'll join your membership if you assign someone who's who can actually help me. And then it turned out to be JP. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, yeah, I Christian is is uh, he's what's the word I'm looking for? Modest. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Because you you <laughs> did it mostly all yourself. Like I gave you whatever normal guidance I give anyone, but uh, you know, y you get it and you're a go getter. So I mean, that makes a big difference, you know. So when you um, sat down with JP. You, mm -hmm. you seem like the type of guy that you had instructions for him, like, get me this. What were you telling him to do? Because I feel like you joined up. And then before I know I knew it, JP was like, that guy, Christian, he's like bought two properties and now he's looking for another property. What, what did you just tell him to buy, go, go nuts or what? Um, no, I think you had a plan. Like Christian is, is not one that you just kind of tell, you know, that needs that kind of handholding. It was more like he has his plan and then I just sort of help him find it or get there you know but actually it, i had yeah. a plan but i didn't have a job <laughs> at the time oh yeah <laughs> yeah that's right so so map it out what kind of properties were you looking for why were you looking for those properties um well i was i, I knew that there was some sort of value in the larger um pr lots so so residential properties bungalows and and i i always knew like you know they don't make more of land right so the goal was always to to have like bungalows or older homes on big lots in in mature neighborhoods, right? Um, I, I was never attracted to the Milton pre-construction type of deal, like that was never appealing to me. Um, and uh, and I came to another class, and they were talking about this program with CIBC where you can once you have three properties, you can keep buying pro uh, rental properties, and as long as they cash flow significantly. And I just had this moment like. Oh my God, that's like my name written all Why, over. Why did it. you already own properties by the time you had met us? Um, yeah, I owned. Yeah, you were saying that. Sorry, I owned uh, three properties at the time, but I I had very little experience, and I I knew you know I wanted to go full time, and I knew I you know this is for me, this is you know my thing, but like how do you scale this? How do you grow this? How do you get the cash flow? Where do you go? Right, all these all these questions. Um, yeah. And then um, you were when you discovered that program that was interesting to you because you weren't working. Did you cho did you choose just to quit what you were doing? Um, no, I got um, I got there was a car accident involved. I was downtown Toronto, I I working that. from home, uh, and then political, you know, corporate the corporate nonsense, corporate politics. Some schmuck in the office who has something to say decided like, oh no, you should be here taking care of your team. I, I was a project manager. I was managing uh, developers downtown. Downtown. Um, oh, so you have a tech background? A little bit. Okay. Yeah, M more project management background. Um, but yeah, so long story short, it became very clear that this guy was trying to get me out and uh, I did 
didn't want to be there anyway. So we kind of found a solution where I got laid off and I had some, you know, EI support for six months. So I made the decision, okay, in the next six months, I got to buy up whatever properties to get to this cash flow to substitute my income. Yeah, so that's why you were interested in the CIBC program because that CIBC, until very recently, like I, I don't, I think they even still have it, but until at least six they months. Do. Yeah, they do, right? Yeah. Where if you're listening to this and you're not familiar with it, it's this crazy program where if you buy, if you already own, I thought it was two, but maybe it was three, three properties already, CIBC will allow you to buy the next several properties before it was like, before it was 10. Then they scaled it back to six. Now I think that's down to four. Five. Five. Is that where we are? So yeah. we, we definitely need a CIBC rep on here to correct all our... <laughs> but anyway, we're, we're in the rough, uh, rough, roughly accurate here uh, by five properties. And you didn't have to show income as long as you had the down payment and the leases in their, with their analysis were 10% over the expenses on the property you were buying. With a down payment only, you could put $1 as income and qualify to buy another property. With, I think, I could be wrong on this, but you also had to show 100000 liquid assets. Yeah, you're, you're yeah. right. $100,000 in liquid assets somewhere. But I don't think they were too picky on where that was. You could almost show, I, there was a time where you could just show like RRSPs and stuff. You guys are both smiling at each other here, so you don't have to share anything. <laughs> but yeah, I don't think they were too picky on that kind of stuff. But over the years, that got, got tighter and tighter and yeah. tighter, but the program is still around. Yeah. So that was key to you because you weren't working and you can acquire more. Even, yeah. even if you didn't have them. You could go out, they would do it as long as you went out and bought, I think, two or three at the same time, well, then yeah. they would make it work, so something I, like that. I, yeah. I had to basically, what, what it came down to is I had to sit down with the CIBC gentleman, I'm not going to mention his name, but he came to my house and we did, we signed five mortgages in one day because we had to refinance two mortgages um, and then I had to purchase it was just crazy. It was crazy. But we, you were refinancing too to pull out equity for the down payments to buy the next one. Yeah, ones? because the primary residence didn't count towards the three oh, properties okay. at the time. It, it was honestly, I don't remember all the details, but it was it was pretty crazy. But it just worked out perfectly because I was all about, or I'm still all about cash flow. So I'm like, yeah, for me to find a property that cash flows is my my ultimate goal. Like the more cash flows, the better. And that's exactly what CABC was saying. Like if you can find these properties. And they cash flow really well. Then they, I think it's called DCR. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. And when the DCR numbers make, you know, when they work out, then you can keep going. But by the time I finished all my projects, then they, um, they lowered it to five. And and uh, never in the condo game because you just thought land was something that they're not making more of. And I'll buy these properties, good air, nice homes, nice areas, kind of thing. Yeah, but but the there was always that long term mindset like adding value right um and adding but not adding value through you know luxury renovations but adding value by adding apartments or adding living space right so if it's a bungalow you you add um a basement a legal basement apartment if it's an existing duplex you add a third unit turn it to triplex or maybe even a fourth unit or you uh, a three-car garage with an apartment on top so the larger the lot size the more likely it is that in the future you will be able to do something like that which Interestingly enough, now it, it looks like the government's going to be pushing or, or allowing those type of deals to, to, to happen, right? So if you're already sitting on those lots, you don't have to go out and acquire another lot. You, you just add, you know, even if it's a tiny home, you add like a $80,000 tiny home in your backyard and now a, du a duplex is a triplex. Right. Have you turned any of your single family homes yet into a duplex or yes. a second suite? Yeah. Yeah. And um, how much... On a percentage basis, I guess on some of them, you're almost doubling your income. 
Oh, almost, yeah. Yeah, they, yeah. The I basement mean, suite or the second suite isn't going to get as much as the primary suite or the maybe the main floor of the house. No, but it's it's significant cash flow, right? It, it's basically it, it's a game changer, right? It's not doubling your cash flow, but um, but it could be taking it from like two or th- four hundred dollars a month or one to three hundred dollars mm-hmm. or whatever you were to like if you're going to get in the basement, maybe let's just call it I don't know fourteen hundred, twelve hundred, fourteen hundred, fifteen hundred. Mm-hmm. We're seeing some now even higher, mm-hmm. but if you tack that onto an existing two hundred dollars in cash flow, well now one property could be doing fifteen hundred dollars a month in cash flow for you easy. Yeah. I mean, with with the increased rents now, like with what we're seeing in the market, um, and I, I, I'm a believer in tenant turnover. Um, I used to say like, oh, tenant turnover, it's a nightmare. It's all this work. But with the tenant turnover that I'm experiencing, um, my, my basement rent is pretty much covering my, my mortgage, right? So which back in the days, it used to be different, right? But now the one tenant basically pays for the mortgage and everything else is, you know, property taxes, obviously insurance, but the, the cash flow is significant. Yeah, I get into this discussion all the time. I think more maybe because I'm getting a little bit older or something. By the way, cheers, guys. We got cheers. some. This is Don Julio, 1942. So it's not chilled, though. You can sip this tequila. You don't have to shoot this. This is exciting. <laughs> all, I normally just shoot it. <laughs> it's a big glass. <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's not, definitely not an ounce. Ooh, that's nice. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's not chilled, so I'm not if you're you know if you're not familiar with this tequila, I've, then you're chilling it is probably a little easier yeah. on you. But I feel like you guys are tough guys; oh, you can handle this. Awesome. Um, uh, how do you guys feel about that? Like a tenant turnover does the investor well, and all you know, all of us own property, so it does all of us well. But then in society, more, and I don't know if it's because I'm getting older, but part of me is thinking, geez, as the rents increase, which benefit me. I'm an asset owner and I, I make no apologies for that either. Like, you know, I'm, I'm the one who took the risk, went to the bank, qualified, did all the stuff, Christian, that you're talking about, JP, that we all do to find these properties. So I'm not apologizing by any means, but sometimes I think, yeah, the way that the structure set up, these rents are going up. And I, by structure, I mean economic structure. These The rents are going up so much so fast mm-hmm. that what it's doing to society is like, I don't like the trend that we're on. Does that ever go, yeah. go through your yes. mind? Um, and, and what you guys talk about, like pretty much on every podcast or every other podcast, I see it on, on the streets in, in, in person. What do you mean? I see, I see the, the refugees coming here. I see the immigrants. So I, I have to, uh, refugee tenants. I have immigrant tenants. Um, I've worked with them from, from the very beginning. Um, I see how spaces are getting smaller. So like a three-bedroom apartment that I used to rent to a family with two kids, now I'm renting to three young professionals, right? And they're sharing, they're sharing this small apartment, which is an apartment in a in a bungalow. So ten years ago, those guys maybe two people would have shared a bungalow. Now there's three people are sharing one apartment in within a bungalow, right? And they're paying six hundred whatever dollars each a month plus utilities. There's three cars in the driveway. There's cars on the on the side of the street, and yeah. it, it's just. So where where have you seen when did you start working with JP and to, to buy some properties? Uh, I feel like it's been 2016. 2016. Was that it? Yeah. God, it seems long. Holy man. smokes, it yeah. does seem longer. How have you seen rents evolve? Like, can you give us an idea of just what yes. you were charging in rent four years ago? Yeah, my 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 favorite example is my my first property in uh, St. Catharines, which at the time, to be fair, I I really didn't know what I was doing. Like, I knew you're okay. like the rest of us. This is great. Yeah. I'm glad that you researched us for a year. Yeah, and then you started, and without knowing what you're doing, we got you to buy some income yeah. properties. That's great. Well, th- this one was before Rockstar, but okay. um, th- and. Anyway, so uh, it was a large lot, 
very rough condition very the neighborhood isn't wasn't the greatest it's it's getting better now but there's a one bedroom unit in the back like an ex, uh, an addition that was added to a bungalow um the lady was paying $700 all inclusive a month so over the years there's been ten, tenant turnover right as i mentioned and now um my tenants paying 1095 plus all utilities so 1100 plus utilities yeah got it yeah so, so it's with the utilities in it's basically doubled on that example oh yeah almost yeah crazy and I, I did some work to it. I, I improved it. I always try to improve. I always try to add a dishwasher. Like, you know, I'm all, I'm all about adding value and, and providing a good product, right? And, and be a good landlord, but it's not luxurious or anything like that. What, what part of the cities do you have some properties? Are they all in St. Catharines? Um, my rental properties are currently all in St. Catharines. Yeah. Oh, cool. So you're a fan of St. Catharines and the whole Niagara yeah. region. I'm not a fan of the city of St. Catharines, like the people that work for the city, just, yeah. to, just to be clear. I'm more, yeah, I'm a fan of Niagara and I'm a fan of St. Catharines, yes. And uh, JP, is that where you're still hunting properties, mostly Niagara right now? Uh, I, would, I would say there's, there's a, a lot of people that are still kind of drawn there, um, but I'm all over the place, you know, tomorrow I'm in King and... and Kitchener, Cambridge, and you know I've done a lot recently in London. Yeah, I was going to say you seem like you're in London St. and Saint Thomas. Thomas. Yeah, lat to not this past weekend, the weekend before, I was looking at cottages with an investor in Burks Falls. Like I'm everywhere. Ooh, yeah, got it. Yeah, yeah. And then I, it's funny because when we started, Christian, I don't know if you know this. When we started, we were doing pretty much we were doing stuff in Burlington. We were doing townhomes in Burlington for 250 grand. And we were basically telling some of our friends, like, these are no-brainer investments. They're cash flowing. Mm. And uh, we had the hardest time convincing people that these were good investments. Now those townhomes in Burlington are like triple. Yeah. We, we worked with one investor in Burlington. This is going to be 2008. Fully detached Burlington home we did as a rental. She bought it. And I did this deal with her. She bought a fully detached Burlington house. For two hundred and eighty-four thousand wow. oh dollars in Burlington. God. Yeah, I mean, at the time it was a smaller house, to be fair and stuff. But at that time, like that's just looking back, it's like, oh my gosh, what were we yeah. even doing? Why didn't we just buy everything that came up? Then we were pushed to Hamilton, and when we went to Hamilton, we thought, oh my gosh, like our offices it was in Burlington at the time. We weren't in Oakville. And we were like, man, is anyone going to go to Hamilton? Like, this is crazy. And Hamilton has since exploded. That's when we started getting into the demographics and trying to follow population trends because we saw it happening. We mm -hmm. saw people from Toronto kind of evolving down there, moving down there. And then JP lives in St. Catharines. And we were like, oh, we're never going to be doing anything in St. Catharines. Like St. Catharines? That's like I drive through St. Yeah. Catharines to go to the Buffalo airport. That's about it. And then we've been in St. Catharines, you know, for years now. And I don't, I don't think it's going to stop. No, no, no. Uh, price points in St. Catharines, what have you seen? How has it changed since, uh, you know, I guess since you started doing things in St. Catharines five, six years ago? Can you map out the property type, price point, and what you're seeing now, same property? Yeah, I think I remember the first deal in St. Catharines. I was a, it was a member of mine who I think got a home hunter deal or something like that that was blasted out on the VIP. And I remember going, oh, yeah, those bio prices, I'm just not sure, you know. And you and lived there. I know, but it was like <laughs> just at the very beginning. And, uh, I think that was like in the mid two hundreds or something. Mm. Uh, and that's now probably worth, you know, mid fives, low, low fives, mid fives. So that's like, like that. five years ago, maybe we're 20. Yeah, probably five years ago, yeah. mid, mid twos. And now it's mid fives. Yeah. So it's doubled in five years. Uh -huh. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. And then are you, where are you in Sim? You're in Simcoe. 
What's out in Simcoe? Is I, that Woodstock? Is Woodstock part of Simcoe? Okay, no. so there's the town of Simcoe, which is in, um, uh, it's not North, is it Norfolk County? I can't remember the, the, the county that it's in, but yeah, I just, there's a couple investors that are from that area or specifically chose that for logistical reasons, family, whatever. Um, so I've done, I've done quite a number of deals there, but, uh, and then of course, obviously Simcoe County is where Barry and all that stuff is. But, um, yeah, like looking at London and then the overflow to St. Thomas, St. Thomas is just as crazy as, as London is. I mean, it's a much smaller town, but it's 25 minutes to London and you know, people, people are going there. Um, where else? Everywhere really still, you know, I I can't really say that everywhere except the downtown core. You've never been in the downtown core. And you know what's interesting? Well, actually not the downtown core, but I am working with someone who is from, uh, sort of North York. I can't remember exactly where they live, but I was just there not yesterday, but the day before, um, we were looking in Scarborough. And we're looking in North York around the uh-huh. university and price points we're looking at are, yeah, around 850 and he's looking for two units. Um, yeah, got it. Yeah. So, and the, the university stuff, you're still doing stuff around Western too. Yeah, pretty much everything I do for the student rentals right now is around Western. I mean, there might be the one off here and there somewhere else, but primarily I, I, I still focus I hadn't on been out there in so long. I just dropped off my son at Western, um, last Friday and we drove through some of those uh, towns. I'm so familiar with the McMaster cause we, you know, we own properties out there. I'm not as familiar with the student market, uh, market in Western. I was shocked at how many student rental streets there are where it's just full streets of student Huge. rentals. I was completely bl- like yeah. Mac has that too, mm-hmm. but I feel like Western was just another level of it. And some of the, bu- some of the properties out there that these builders are making, I know that you're working with some yeah. of them are nice homes, very nice. purpose built student yeah. rentals. Like they're yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Um, Christian, you are you living off the income of some of your properties? Like this is part of your ma- primary source of income. Right I'm now. I'm a full time investor. Yes, full time. Yeah, since I, I made that decision and since JP helped me out. Are you working with other investors, like any other friends or something, to like yeah, kind of help them or do joint ventures with them? Yeah, I have joint venture partners, and uh, but I'm I'm the active guy, right? So I'm I'm the guy on the ground. Um, I find the properties, I scope everything out, I talk to everybody, I talk to the neighbors, I high, you know, I shake their hands, I make sure everybody's happy, and uh, so yeah. You know how many people want to be a full time investor, Christian? Tons and tons of people want to be doing what you're doing. How did you, what got, what started on this path? Was it like rich dad, poor dad? Like what, what book was it? What, what did you listen to? Well, it's a, it's a very long story. Um, you know, we, it's going to go way too deep, but it has something to do with my, with my parents and observing how they lived and how Where they, are your parents from? Um, my dad escaped from, uh, East Germany in 1964 from communism. So he was kind how of, how did he escape? He cut, um, barbed wires with, with a guy, with a friend of his who, at some point during that experience got very, very scared um, because they were supposed to be shot, right? Um, so at some point his friend got scared and my dad had to basically tell him, like, if you leave, we're both going to die. And that guy became a doctor and lives in Munich somewhere, like outskirts of Munich. Yeah. And your dad came to Canada? Yeah, he came to Thunder Bay. Beautiful. With your mom, met your mom? Met here? my mom. And then I was born here. And then at the age of eight, he decided to go back. He had this homesickness thing which didn't make much sense to me. You know, he had 180 acres in Thunder Bay, beautiful custom-built home. Um, but he, I guess he had that 
feeling like, okay, something's going on. Maybe we can go back to my village. And then in 89, the, the wall fell, right? So, wow. so we were in uh, West Germany. Um, but then eventually, after living there for a, a long time, actually, he ended up going back to his village. No way. Talk about going full circle. And did you ever go back? Um, I, I saw East Germany in 1986 as a kid. And honestly, my memory is one of the worst memories you can imagine. Like, I don't remember many things from my childhood, but I sure remember East Germany and, and what I saw. Why? It was sh shocking. Like, communism. Uh, it's, dude, I'm almost dude, speechless. More, I'm more almost and more speechless. people are voting for it back, man. So spill the beads. I oh, remember yeah. going to Yugoslavia and Yugoslavia, I guess, was considered, you know, it wasn't like a hard dictatorship that was happening at that point. But listen, it's very different than growing up in Canada. And when I went there, my relatives, we would open the suitcase with Levi jeans, Duracell yeah. batteries and aspirin and they would freak out. I remember so excited to get those products. And I remember thinking, holy smokes, like what is happening? I, we went to the little, you know, my dad's village. We went to the little, it was called like a duchan, like a, a little uh, store that had some chocolate. I bought the chocolate, took it back to the little house there and opened it up. It was all maggots inside. And wow. uh, oh yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking like, this is wow. just crazy. But we went there, you know, regularly, almost every other summer. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just like Canada had, you know, we had Canada's Wonderland and we had all these things and, and over there they still had like nothing. nothing. And, uh, you know, to see that and to see society now, kind of, and I know people are voting for socialism now because of different things we were talking earlier. Like I really think the vote of today's youth for socialism is coming from a place of like baby boomers, you screwed us by loading up all this debt and we just want anything but what this situation mm -hmm. is. It's, uh, it's laziness too. No, nobody, so? nobody wants to work anymore. No, nobody wants oh, Christian, to. Christian, you say it. All right. You got, yeah, you think so? I, I, I think it's a vote of just like, you know what? Uh, this system has screwed me. I can't, I'm, you know, I'm in my late twenties. Mm, nah, I can't I don't, buy. I don't know if I, I agree with that. I think, I think it's indoctrination and they, they just yes. don't, the education system has just completely let them down. And then probably I'm not a parent, so I shouldn't say, but probably bad parenting too. Yeah, bad you know, parenting and, bad and, media, and, and many, bad many media. years of, of being spoiled, like not necessarily as a kid, but just in general, like just not appreciating what we had and just spending and whatever. But um, I have to correct something that I just said when I said nobody wants to work. I, I have to correct that, like uh, immigrants that come to Canada and I'm not an immigrant, but I kind of feel a little bit like I have that mindset. Um, completely do. different, completely different. And they're hungry. They're hungry. They come here with a with a vision, with a goal, with dreams, and uh, and that's how I kind of came back here. In um, that's we got derailed a little bit, but that's how I kind of came back. Um, and I didn't know what I was going to do, but um, the opportunities are everywhere here, e even today, even during COVID. Like go go anywhere in in the world right now during COVID, and talk about investing in real estate and buying a duplex or buying a triplex turning into a fourplex like i don't think people are having those conversations right now no in in, no. in, in a lot of countries and, and, no agreed and toronto canada's amazing and in toronto we pull aces all the time we have a friend in ohio good buddy and he always for about i guess for about 13 years he's been saying hey did the market up there crash yet and after about six or seven years of it, us saying, no, it still hasn't crashed. It hasn't crashed. He's now just convinced that Toronto's like immune to anything. He's like, so during COVID, he was emailing me and he's saying, 
you know, we're looking at some pretty crazy real estate stuff happening here because of all this. But I assume Toronto, everything's golden. I'm like, well, mm. no, we are seeing some cracks. Like the downtown <laughs> core definitely has some softness to it. But but on the outskirts, it's absolutely crazy. But Toronto just pulls aces because of we get such quality immigration. Yes. We get great quality immigration in here. And we're seeing something else. Uh, Christian, I don't know if we shared this before or not, but a couple members of our team are seeing foreign-born U.S. workers tr- transfer up to Canada. If the, if the corporate office that they are working for um, is international and happen to also have a Toronto or you know Mississauga or a GTA-based office and they're in the States, they're transferring up to Canada right now. Mm-hmm. And then when they get here, they're sharing with our team internal little memos of where to buy property. And it's all on the outskirts of the GTA. So we're seeing foreign-born workers who, are, who were recently working in the U.S. and they're typically in IT. Yeah. Transfer up here. And then buy property here. This is all within the last six months. Yeah. So right now we have interest rates that have dropped a point and a half. We have people who are deciding if they're gonna if there's gonna be another lockdown. I'm moving into the house that I really want, right? Mm-hmm. So you have people who are moving houses because they want the house they really want. We have interest rates that have we've dropped, and even though our immigration is is temporarily down right now, we have workers that are getting that are, make good money coming into Canada driving up demand. Yeah. Like you can't even make this up. No, you can't. Where, where, like, where does this happen? I'm like, why? How does Toronto always pull? And I know Toronto's not perfect, and we can get no. into the condo market and all that kind of stuff. But geez, this market's incredible. I want to go back to your point on, on, um, you know, how you got into this. So your father, Germany, he escapes, comes to Canada, goes mm-hmm. back. Do you go back with him? I was confused on that. Yeah, yeah. In '88. Okay. And then so, when, so and I was eight years old. Moved to Germany. Couldn't really even speak German, like very little. So I had a little bit of a tough time in the beginning. Um, and then, uh, I think at 16, the year, yeah, I was 16 was my first trip back to Canada to visit. And I'm like, wow, like we left this place. Like my parents, my, my parents Where, are Thunder nuts. Bay, you said that? In the summertime. <laughs> okay. It was, it was July, August. It was beautiful. No, but it was more. And Thunder it, Bay, I'm sure is beautiful. I'm just giving you a it, hard time. No, I know. I know. I, I make fun of it too. But, but at the same time, uh, it was more, it was the sense of freedom. It was the sense of like open spaces and very friendly people, very hospitable. Um, and maybe even at the time, opportunities that I didn't necessarily identify as opportunities. I, I wasn't a businessman. I was a troubled uh, teenager, but um, I, I, I just, I could feel it. I'm like, this is, I got to come back here. This is, this is where I belong. Right. And then how'd that happen? You, your father stayed. So you came back yourself later? Uh, no, at the, so I, I was doing an apprenticeship in Germany, which was, it's like a three year thing. Uh, it's not comparable to North America, but it's, it's, it's like you work half the time and you uh, study half the time. So you, you, you learn a specific uh, occupation. So I was in the insurance business um, and that was kind of my, my insurance policy, right? Uh, quote, in quotes, air quotes. <laughs> Um, because, you know, I, I wanted to go back, um, but I was like 19 years old and I had no insurance policy because Germans are very, they like their insurance policies. Let's just put it that way. So I, I stuck around for another three or two and a half years. I shortened it to two and a half years. And then the goal was to come back to Canada. But then I found this job at Disney World in Florida. Um, which I applied for, and uh, sure enough, I got the job. Don't tell me you're working at Epcot in the German. Yes. It's... No. Wearing lederhosen. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. That's amazing. <laughs> you told me this. I remember. No this. way. Yeah. yeah. You were yeah. one of those guys. Yeah. Dude, I probably saw you there as a kid. Yeah. I was going around. No, I'm older than you, so I would have been older when you were working there. But holy <laughs> yeah. smokes. So, so that wasn't really planned. But I'm I'm a hot weather kind of guy. I'm a tropical beach kind of guy. So I'm like Florida. 
a year in Florida before going back to Canada sounds amazing. And uh, yeah, so the Euro Disney people, they interviewed us in Frankfurt or whatever. And, and then, yeah, sure enough, I got the gig. Um, and that was after 9-11. So 9-11 happened. And I'm like, oh, my God, like now this is going to you know fall apart. But it didn't. Um, you know, remember George Bush Jr. He said, take your families to Disney World. Oh, did he? I it, forgot. Yeah, that. It, yeah, 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 yeah. You can get Google the economy it. going. Get the economy. It's moving. an American thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So I did a year in Disney. Um, yeah, crazy year in Disney, and uh, didn't really know what to do. Um, and then I met people at Disney. Like I tried to extend my visa, but because of the Iraq War, they wouldn't extend any visas at the time. Didn't know where to go, and going to Thunder Bay didn't seem like an option after living in in Florida for a year, and you know. <laughs> Um, so I went to Australia, um, and, uh, did a year in Australia, traveled the whole country, worked at, uh, at the Sydney Opera House, uh, were, spent five months in Perth, um, working in weird jobs, um, or not working. And, uh, and then similar situation, my visa was about to expire, didn't know where to go. And I called a guy I met at Disney and he's like, Oh, I'm in Dublin, Ireland. I work for American airlines. You can travel for free or for peanuts. And I'm like, Dublin, oh, Dublin sounds rough, but traveling sounds amazing, right? So I, he set me up with an interview, and uh, sure enough, I got, I got the job. And then uh, basically worked four to six weeks, like overtime, picking up shifts, save, 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 and then travel. So we in, in those 18 months, I traveled like all over the place. And when did you come to Canada? I feel uh, like you just got here. I started buying property. Yeah. I just landed, researched Rockstar. Real I bought three properties before Rockstar. Found yeah. JP and kept buying. Yeah. So, so eighteen months in in, in Dublin. I I, rec I kept requesting a transfer to Toronto Airport or actually any Canadian. I was I was desperate. I'm like I just want to go to Canada at this point. Right. So Canada was like calling you. Canada was calling me, but it was it was yeah a bit of a detour. Um, and then, uh, I did like a, uh, a trip to Canada to check out the airports and stuff like American. I was with American airlines in Dublin. And, uh, so they set up these, these, um, they called it walk a mile, I think. And they showed me the airport and everybody's like high-fiving me and like, Oh, you're from Dublin and whatever. And, uh, but, but they couldn't get this transfer done. And then eventually I, I, uh, I basically said, okay, enough is enough. I gave them a notice of, um, What's it called again? When you take uh, a Re year leave, sabbatical? No, it's a notice of something like that. Okay. Um, and then you know, like like a miracle, a week later, I get a call on a Saturday saying, "Oh, we're transferring you to Toronto in three weeks." So, so that's when I. What year was that? Two thousand six. 2006 okay then you get here and is this to be the beginning of you figuring out about like a path of freedom and real estate like how no 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 real estate but I, I always knew I wanted to be my own boss I always knew I wanted to um, you know I, I let, let's why just, did you know that I, I don't know I, I was always a little bit of a rebel a little bit of an anarchist kind of guy I know I said the word but <laughs> you're allowed to talk about anarchy yeah, that's fine yeah. so you knew working for the man in some corporate situation wasn't going to be for you but yeah. you did it anyway in Canada yeah, I you did it everywhere. Some, you needed to make some money. I did it everywhere, right? I, and and um, what ended up happening was, um, you know, the first property that we purchased, I, I cleared all my savings accounts in, in all the countries where I lived and uh, in, in each country. And then I still had to work one year, like two jobs, right? So worked 4 a.m. to 9 a.m. at the airport, and then 9 to whatever, 9.30 to 5 p.m. like corporate job. 
and I did that for years. I were, you know, I, it was a tough year. Yeah, and then I had the, enough money to for a down payment to buy a, a semi-detached home in Mississauga, and that's that's the beginning of the real and estate. And is that where you lived? Lived in that house for five years, and then, you know, uh, our second uh, our second daughter was on the way, and then we're like, yeah, we need a bigger home, but we can't afford. Like we were living in Streetsville, I'm like yeah, but it's too expensive. Like a single family home, like we can't afford it. You were surrounded by a lot of Croatians in Streetsville. Yeah, I you know? I actually uh, I played on uh, I played on a Croatian team. I, I actually ended up running it. Uh, HNK Vatreni. Oh, got it. Yeah. Uh, that that was a hockey team, soccer. Oh, okay. Yeah, come yeah. on, come on. Nick. No, no, no. Because I played on a Croatian hockey team. Oh, did you? Point. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, I'm a soccer guy. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. So then, and how many kids do you have now? Two. How old are they? Seven and thirteen. Yeah. Awesome. So, so you get that house. You're then you're in Streetsville, and then you buy another property. Yeah. So how were you able to? You were so you're just tapping credit law. You're doing anything possible to gather up enough money to buy to put it down. Payment well, down. the the first property that it was there was no understanding of credit. There was no understand like it was a very conventional old school mindset. Like debt is bad. You know, say it's all about savings and flipping every penny and sacrificing and don't touch debt. Right. So there was no understanding of that at all. But I, you know, we did the first house. The mortgage was okay. It was it was manageable, right, for a first time home buyer. Um, and then I I put so much work into that place, like a new furnace, new water heater, like all these things over the years. Like it was it was a very basic house at the time, right? Yeah, but like, it was your baby, though. It, it was it turned into my baby, and I'm like, I can't sell this. Like I'm gonna pay JP a commission here, you know? <laughs> um, not JP at the time, but um, it, it just didn't feel right. It just didn't feel right. Like, okay, are we going to sell this house now? And uh, and that's when I somehow found out. And yeah, then Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I, I read that book and some book from um, Wells Fargo. I, I can't remember. Some, okay. some weird book from Wells Fargo that I picked up at some convention somewhere in the world. Um, and uh, and then I found out, yeah, you can refinance, pull out the equity and you know buy your second property. And that's what we ended up doing. So we bought a... Um, a backsplit, four-level backsplit in Burlington. Oh, a four-level backsplit in Burlington. Beautiful. Yeah. It always astonishes me, JP, I'm sure you get this all the time, how many people don't know in Canada that you can refinance a property, pull out money because of the equity that you have oh. and use that money to buy more properties. It astonishes me that more people don't know that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Isn't it crazy, you guys? Yeah. yeah. So if you're listening to this, that's probably how 95% of all Canadians grow their portfolio. I know. I have yeah. to have that conversation with people a lot. Um in the beginning because they're like well you know i don't have it's like don't worry about it like the vast majority of new investors mm. are pulling financing or, or or the resources from their primary residence you know totally the vast yeah. majority yeah. yeah and then as a christian what what kept pushing you further because then you kind of kept buying like you researched us for a little while then you decided to keep buying properties yeah so so in in when i lived in burlington or mississauga too i, I had a pretty decent job like i was a project manager for a software company but it was uh, basically I, I enjoyed it so much because there was a lot of traveling involved and I, for the most part I was working on my own so I would pack my equipment and go it was actually really cool like I traveled to India uh, Hong Kong Singapore all over the US and whatever and um, really cool destinations um, and uh, eventually I started to realize like man my pay is not going up but this this guy, my, my former boss, he was like milking me, right? He, like more work, more work, more work. And I'm like, maybe it has something to do with the fact that I take my job seriously and I, you know, I try to do a good job. I go above and beyond. 
the clients like me, right? So we had some conversations and he would always tell me what I wanted to hear, right? And then I guess at some point I'm like, man, this is, this is crazy. Like this doesn't make any sense. Um, and then I started looking into franchises and I started looking into MLMs. And in, We've all been down the MLM oh path. Man. We have stumbled into a few people now that are actually making full-time income. Some of them are Rockstar members through really? MLM, which I'm astonished by. But yeah, yeah, some, yeah. some of them are good guys well, too and, and, and women. Yes. And uh, they're doing it. But for years, I tried to crack that nut myself. I can never pull it off. No, I just couldn't figure it out. That's a tough, tough gig yeah tough gig. have you been down that path as well oh, early on like in my mid-20s i yeah but i mean i think it was called it was mlm but then it was called network marketing for oh, a while yeah. and yeah. then i don't know what, what is it called now network marketing MLM? yeah i yeah. think that's it's the all same the same thing. Stuff. multi-level it's marketing, the same network marketing yeah. yeah i remember i was at oracle and i bought a network marketing book for dummies you know those yellow covered books mm-hmm. and i remember trying to hide it because i was on a trip to ottawa to run a class there and uh I was reading the book on the plane and I was kind of hiding it from like some of the guys I reported to on the plane. I didn't want them to see. And I was like putting it under the chair and like, <laughs> I don't want them to see this, me reading this book. But uh, yeah, it was never my thing. I could never really get into it. There was just something I couldn't figure out about it. I just didn't, it wasn't right for me, but, uh, but you yeah. went down that path. Yeah, it was actually, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but it was actually related to gold. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's uh it was very interesting at the time. Got it. And um, there's a few people emailing me now about a gold related MLM yes. that want me to, and I haven't really looked into yes. it. So I'm just like, you so know. that's the one I joined and okay. I, went, I went all in, like I went for the top package and put, you know, <laughs> I'm actually still collecting passive uh, income f- from it, but it's not significant. It's, it's, cool. it's peanuts, but um, so far they're, they're still around. They still exist. So it's a good thing. So MLM and then uh, just all in on real estate. Um, no, and then I, I tr- tried to start some businesses and yeah, failed, basically. It didn't really go anywhere. And then I got a, a letter in the mail from my former boss basically telling me, you know, to seize my website. And that uh, yeah, was interesting. Well, like moonlighting. Because you started a competitive website yes. to what you were doing? Yeah, I was, I was trying to... I basically. <laughs> Why do I feel like there's layers to Christian that we don't know? Yeah. <laughs> Christian's great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, no, so I mean, you yeah. started a competitive website that you shouldn't have started. He told you to shut it down and you were like, screw you, I'm going to no, figure the, something the, out. The cli- my, my biggest account, basically, the client was based in California. Very good people. Honestly, amazing people. But we shared the same type of work ethic, the same type of mindset. And they're like, hey, why don't you just start your own business and you know we won't tell anybody and we'll we'll go with you i'm like yeah that's amazing like that's my dream that's that's fantastic right i keep traveling i keep working with these good people um and uh, i have my own business but yeah my former boss didn't agree with that (laughs) (laughs) so yeah so So you're done with that job then at that point yeah and then there were some other jobs in between but eventually i ended up at that job downtown toronto and rat race job like go train Got it. Laptop, like just nonstop. Like when you, you go first home. start doing the go train every day. Oh my gosh. I remember I was working downtown Toronto yeah. and I thought this was it. Like I had made it. And then you get on that go train that was so packed. I mean, the COVID era, I don't know if the COVID train will ever be packed like that again. COVID I feel like, COVID. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I was like in somebody's armpit, like it was that packed. And then back then there was an internet. People read the newspapers and I would be standing next to people trying to read the sports section, like over their shoulder. Like what's going on with the Blue Jays right now? But uh, yeah, that's a horrible man. Going, getting up in the morning, racing to that train, going downtown. Oh my gosh. That it's so funny because I thought that was making it like I I really too. Yeah, we all did. 
We all did. And then they have this this culture, right? No, not you. No, yeah, no. yeah. But you're from St. Catharines, dude. You, 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 you. Yeah, and I just, I like, just, uh, yeah, I couldn't, couldn't. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, you have a good salary. There's good benefits. Um, it, it actually helps you purchase properties. It helps you, yeah. you know. The banks love you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't until years later when I kind of looked at a pie chart of like how much revenue the government takes from different sources. And I saw that fully half of government's revenue comes mm-hmm. from income taxes from individual employees. And I thought, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And if you look at how much corporations pay to the tax base, it's like 18%. And I thought, oh my gosh, employees are paying 50% of all the tax revenues. Like, this is wrong. What am I doing in this? I, I should be getting better, you know, better structures around my life. I remember it was actually, I think it was like a Harv Ecker. Do you remember Harv Ecker? Yes. I went to Red Deer, Alberta to a Harv Ecker conference yeah. before he even came to Ontario ever. And my, our mom was going to go. I went with her. And he said something like, every Canadian should start a corporation. If you don't have a business, just start an MLM business because it's the easiest. It's a business in a box, mm-hmm. essentially. And get a corporation because the tax efficiencies from that corporation itself make it worth it. And I didn't really know all the tax efficiencies at that time. But now after owning corps and running them for you know over a decade... Um, uh, that's the best advice any Canadian should, should, should be able, should hear, you know, get yourself going with some side hustle that allows you to run some of your revenue through a corporation. It's the biggest yep. tax advantage in this freaking country. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, okay. So Christian, you go through that process and then you get to rockstar and meet JP. Yeah. But what, one thing I have to add to what you just said, another piece of advice is when you have a corporate job like that, get leverage it milk it milk it and that's one mistake i made i i should have i should have bought more properties at the time i milked it right at the end yeah yeah i i remember calling dave butler Mm -hmm. i was calling dave Mm -hmm. saying i'm about to quit my job load me up what can i qualify for and at that time the banks still were not checking for your pay stubs so even after i quit because Mm -hmm. my t1 general from the year before still looked really good i could use my t1 general for like another six months without an employment letter and without pay stubs and still qualify for some wow. properties. And that was the era of 0% down. I don't know if you remember that whole era. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah that was the era of two, 0%, 0% down. 40-year AM. 40-year amortization, yeah. 0% down, like oh, 2006. Yeah. 2006, wow. 2007. Oh my gosh, it was guns a-blazing. We couldn't even understand what we were looking at. Looking back now, if we could have even borrowed more and bought more, we would have done wow. it. Yeah, 0% down. And the mortgage insurance That's fees... That's so wrong, though. Oh, it's so wrong. It's so wrong. Especially, it was so wrong. It was so wrong. And 5.8, wait, 5.85%. You look back in like five years, there's like zero equity. It was like 1,500 yeah. bucks or something. Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. but you could, you could make these properties because we wrote in Hamilton... And at 0% down, you could buy a fully detached home for like 195000 yeah, 205000 And at the rents at the time, we could get like fourteen, even 1500 15 would have been a stretch, $1,400. We can make these things cash flow positive. And it you don't good. have to swing a hammer. You don't have to you, add a basement apartment. We didn't have to do yeah. anything. Yeah. And we didn't buy more because I think we were looking around like, ah, oh, like, is this, like, are we, you know, when you're doing something and it's working really well and then mm-hmm. you're wondering why not everybody is doing that. Yeah. You're like, I don't, I don't know if this is the right thing to do. Um, but that's when we launched Rockstar. We were, we were telling mm-hmm. people, hey, here's just let's look at, let's be sophisticated. Let's look at the numbers. Let's look at the population growth. That's when we started getting into all this, like, look at all the people moving to Hamilton. Look at the population growth going on out here. Mm-hmm. And we were Mississauga boys. So for us to be in Hamilton was kind of like blasphemous, right? Yeah. But the numbers just made sense. Yeah, that was the glory days. Wow. Yeah. 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 Um, okay. So then we get to Rockstar. 
Uh, yeah. So I got laid, the car accident, laid off, then Rockstar. Got it. Got it. But within that period, I was already kind of, I, I kind of figured out real estate is the way to go. Why? Um, from a freedom perspective, passive income, um, uh, and also my, my, my big dream or goal is to have properties down south. And then in the winter, you know, adios amigos, yeah. you know, for five months, four months, whatever. Um, so how, how do you do that? If you, if you have a corporate job, that's impossible. You know, you, you go you go ask for one week vacation, and they have to go through two layers of HR to see if that's uh, gets approved. Like, how how am I going to ask for four months vacation? Right, yeah. it, it doesn't work. Good for you, man. Seriously, good yeah. for yeah. you. Yeah. Well, that's a crazy journey. Yeah, that is a crazy journey. Yeah, thank you. Uh, some of your friends who are looking at what you're doing now, what do you think? Uh, they think of you can they figure you out or are, are, are they open to real estate as much as you are because they have now your journey to to look at mm. as an example that's an interesting question i think in general and and this is something that scares me actually in, in general real estate has become very popular i know um i think it I has know. to do we're with all, social we're all, media we're all, we're all the same when everybody likes something we don't like it anymore yeah i don't yeah. like it i don't like the fact that it's popular and Everybody likes to talk but about you, it. But you know what? I think it's uh, you're. I think thanks for bringing this up. I think it's personally. I think it's prop popular for the wrong reasons. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Like I think people think you buy a property, and it'll just go up in value. So it's an easy yes. way to make money. Whereas I think where we're all coming from with real estate is more. This is an asset that produces income, and if we manage the expenses properly and analyze the income trends, yeah. we can make this a self-liquidating asset that pays for itself and we could take advantage of, it, of this in the right way. And if the price goes up, great. If it stays flat, fine. If it goes down, we can survive. Mm -hmm. And that we're short-term paranoid, aware that that could happen at any time, and we're long-term optimistic. Yeah. Or I think most people are you know, into real estate right now because they just feel like, buy it and it's gonna go up in value. So I think there is a slight difference that yeah. makes me still feel safe and sane with the way we all look at real estate. But it yeah. is weird. It is weird. I mean, what, what got me to approach you guys was this conservative, well, it, it, it's, you talk about being risk adverse. Like you always say, like most real estate investors you know or yourself, you're, you're risk adverse. We, we, we don't like taking risks. We're so paranoid. We're paranoid. We're paranoid. About it. Yeah. And, and that's exactly how I am. So when you start talking about cash flow and like, okay, don't look at the value. Don't look at the price tag. If this property cash flows significantly, right? It doesn't matter if it, the price goes up or down. If it goes up, great. If it goes down, well, that's okay. You can still hold on to it. And and that kind of mindset and that kind of uh, mentality was very appealing to me. And, and that's basically what I do today, right? And even in this market, you know, now it's just a little bit more work involved. Well, there's more than a little bit, but there's a lot of work involved. You're saying that because you have to finish a second suite or hustling yeah, you have to, to find the property. Yeah, you have to find something. You have to find an asset that's undervalued, underperforming, and generally speaking, in, in pretty rough condition. Right. So overall, like nothing in especially that triplex, the last one. Yeah, there's a lot JP, of work. You sold him a piece of garbage. No, property no, there, no. Right? JP's smiling. Christian's defending him. Right. Yeah, it was a just I don't Do you remember know the house in Welland. <laughs> remember the triplex in Welland where, where remember the home inspection where Len walked in oh, and we couldn't walk man. in. I never liked that property. 
<laughs> no, I know. Uh, but you, did you did you buy it anyway? I, I was going to, but the home inspection was like the worst yeah. home inspection in the Got history okay. of home inspections. <laughs> this is where Christian and I differ slightly because I'm like, oh, this place, man. He's like, no, 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 no. Like, I can make this work. Yeah, I can do this. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, yeah. gross, he's man. Like, you sure? Like, <laughs> classic entrepreneur. He's just looking for the opportunity yeah. in here. Yeah. yeah. But uh, now you have to swing the hammer for yeah. sure. Right. Yeah. But but that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, totally. That's okay. I think with, uh, yeah, yeah, I have no problem. And even if property, I, I'm going to sound horrible here. Even if property prices fall down greatly, I know there's going to be people at Rockstar's door that will be pissed off and think that, you know, they, that real estate was the worst move ever, but they won't have heard our message for years, which has been mm-hmm. look at the income, look at the expenses. And if you can't make that work in your life, do not buy the property. Yeah. Don't buy it. And Christian, people like you are going to get some of the best deals in their life when the real estate market does change Mm -hmm. because there's going to be a lot of people who want out. They won't be able to weather the storm and they're going to come to to people. Two calls this week in the last week about student rentals. What's my student rental worth? I'm thinking about selling. I'm like, why? It's like, well, you know. Nervous, right? They're like, like, stop, stop. Yeah, Yeah, so on that point, just so everybody listening is aware, that's coming from the place of people being scared that there's no demand for student rentals because of COVID and the foreign students aren't returning to Canada. And it's we are not seeing that on the streets at all. But someone gets that narrative in their head that that's going to happen and the fear sets in. Yeah. And it drives them. And to be fair, that's fine. Like if you want to rebalance your portfolio, maybe get out of one type of property into another. Um, I have the reverse on student rentals. I think when the economy goes crazy and we can all debate universities or, you know, if it's the place to be or not the place to be. My own son's at, at Western right now. Mm-hmm. I've totally brainwashed my son. I've totally, completely brainwashed my son. I'm like, listen, when you take your economics classes... I don't know what they're going to teach you in that class, but let me talk to you about inflation and deflation and hard assets right now. So he, he said when he goes into his economic class, if he gets the opportunity, he wants to have these discussions oh, that we've should. had for the last that two years. Be, tell him to record with, it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, and, and uh, so anyway, um, I, I think that when people have uncertainty, they all stay in school longer, whether it's the right place or wrong place, and it's going to just continue to drive um, the universities. And it, this is a weird thing to say in a time where Google's releasing courses. Google just came out and said, you don't even need a university education. If you have these skill set around different programming and different tech languages, they're going to hire you. I don't know if you guys saw that recently. No. So we are entering an era where universities are definitely going to be less and less maybe required, but I still don't think the demand for them is going to diminish anytime soon. No. But, uh, but yeah, to your point, I, I think when people get fear, they're going to come and Christian, they're going to reach out to you and say, hey, I want to get rid of these properties. Will you buy them? And then you'll be able to buy them on terms yeah. that suit your life mm-hmm. because they're going to want to sell them quickly and they shouldn't. So, But you're going to be a sophisticated investor. When the market changes and a lot of people want to sell, people will want to get out of real estate any way possible. So if Christian, you come to the table and say, hey, I'll take that off your hands, but here are my terms, they're going to do it. And it's going to be wrong. And you're going to be able to tell them it's wrong. Don't do this. And they're still going to want to do this with you. And to me, it's a shame. But I am I feel like that's going yeah. to happen. Well, the sad thing is, is that, you know, for a lot of people, that's the only asset they own. It's the only equity they own. They, you know, it's it's sad, but it's true, right? And, and that that's the education system. That's that's our government. That's our education system. It's it's in the Western world. It's not just Canada. But. What do you think happens here, either in Canada or around the world with the economy the next, I don't know, 18 months, two years, three years, five wow. years? I I listened to you. I um, Actually, that one uh, uh, podcast with Russell Westcott, 
Yeah, yeah, got that it. was that was really really good. Yeah, cool. Uh, very powerful. Um, I, I listen to all the podcasts, Rich Dad Radio, um, you know, Dollar Vigilante. Okay, so don't, don't tell me what you're listening. Just tell me what you're thinking. <laughs> well, just tell me what you're thinking. Just spit it out. This is a roundabout way of answering I, the I, question. No, nobody knows. No, nobody knows what's going to happen. Christian knows. Um, you tell us. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do know that you should definitely try to get your hands on gold, silver, uh, hard assets, uh, Bitcoin, um, some other cryptos as well. I know Bitcoin always gets the all this attention. Um, I, I don't think if that's warranted. I think there's other cryptos that need to get some attention too. But um, what are, what are some of those? Uh, privacy coins. Got it. For, yeah, for yeah. example, um, Monero is is one of them. Um, there's a few others like I think Zcash. Uh, but again, I'm not a crypto expert by any means. Um, but what's going to happen? Why, why the pri- why the privacy coins? Well, privacy coins, because, you know, Big Brother, uh, you know, our, our government works hand in hand with the banks. Um, and this is, again, this is not just in Canada, this is in the Western world, and probably even worse in in, in other countries. Um, but uh, I, I think once there's some sort of economic downturn, which we're living in right now, I mean, the US GDP dropped by 33%. Um, that's never happened ever before. Um, so, so nobody really knows what's going to happen. There's a lot of uncertainty, but um, assets are going to move. People are going to cash out on assets. Money's going to flow. I don't know if this is the velocity that you talk about, but I think eventually once Bitcoin kind of explodes and, and gold and silver, um, once they explode, then there's going to be... The, the government wants to get their piece of the cake, right? And I, I think it's... I think it's going way beyond that but anyway yeah no but, but either, all right we're touching on a great <laughs> yeah, subject yeah. Here. this is good i mean i i don't know how deep i can go here but i i do believe that at some point um that people would appreciate will appreciate privacy uh in 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 this space a lot more than just the value or just the store of value mm-hmm. right um so Agreed. i think i think the store of value can also be found in other cryptos and especially the uh, the privacy coins um, and, and again, this is more of a long-term mindset. I, I'm a long-term type of guy. Um, so this could be, it could be 10 years from now. I don't know. It could be two years. It could be five years, but probably more. I don't know. So you think there's value in having some form of assets or some form of store of value that is private. It's almost kind of like the reason that, that you want physical ownership of your gold and not an ETF yes. or a fund is that you can control it and there can be some yeah. privacy around. I know you're buying it from a dealer, like that can kind of be tracked at the mm-hmm. purchase point. But beyond that, there is a little bit of privacy. And in the digital world, you're thinking some of these coins are important because you can move them around and use them and it's not easily tracked, yeah. unlike a public kind of open Bitcoin ledger. Yeah. But I'm, I'm also coming in here with with the the mindset that you know there's bail-in laws right mm-hmm. I, I don't remember what the name of the bail-in law is but like i forget if, what basil amendment it was yeah but it, but again 95 percent of canadians don't know that there's a bail-in law that basically allows the banks to grab your money if you own more than a hundred thousand dollars like if you have more than a hundred thousand dollars in your savings account g- good luck to you right mm-hmm. like remember during covid when all those cdic Commercials started playing. Did you guys notice that? The Canadian Deposit Investment yeah. Corporation? Like, I'd never seen Scary. those. Mm. And Scary. all of a sudden, it was like, your money's safe in the banks. Did you remember that? They started airing those on yes. TV. I'm like, whoa. Scary. This is freaky. I had never seen this. And now you're telling... Whenever anyone tells me something's safe, I immediately... When it's coming from a government totally. source, I immediately think the op- yeah. opposite. And it's interesting. Uh, we logged into one of our online banking accounts just today, before you guys got here. And Nick's like, what's this? 
and it was one of our business accounts and they were asking again for like who are the directors what are the annual revenues and we're like mm. wait a second this is like we answered these questions to start the corporation why are we just logging in now to check some balances yeah and you're asking us again the names of the directors and all this information just to see our bank balance again makes me literally sick. just to, yeah. today yeah freaks you out no yeah, yeah. Yeah, nauseous. It really make really it just rubs me the yeah. wrong way. Yeah, yeah. Like, but this is great. Yeah. I love that it rubs you guys. Yeah. Right this is awesome. Yeah, it yeah. rubs me the wrong way I mean, too. It, listen, Christian, mm. you've heard me say this. I swear, I wear this gold chain around mm. my neck as a bit of a middle finger to the Bank of Canada because this is me. I've never. I can't get this thought out of my head because I saw my father work hard in the nineteen eighties putting up drywall. I saw him get up at five in the morning, and I thought, yeah. Looking back on that, I'm like, he worked so hard. If he saved his money then and gave it to my children today as a gift, the Bank of Canada would have annihilated the purchasing power of that, let's say $10,000 that he saved up as a gift. That's his labor. That money in the 1980s was a representation of his time and labor. And the Bank of Canada is stealing that from mm -hmm. my father when he gives that gift and the $10,000 that would have bought maybe a 20th of a house back then or even a 10th of a house back then would buy yeah. like a fraction yeah. of that today. And to me, that's basic, not even basic, that is theft of all of our time and labor. So when I see this stuff, and no one talks about it that way, and when the Bank of Canada talks about inflation, like it's this positive thing, like we need inflation for Canadians, I'm like, you are de you're destroying the currency in which we all get paid and make money and then pay taxes off of, but you're, you're kind of referencing it like it's yeah. like this positive thing. Freaks me out. But I'm it's the you. number one condition of, of the banking system. That's the number one condition. Without without inflation, this system yeah. won't work. Right? Yeah. Agreed. Right? And then, you know, in the talks about them wanting to, um, you know, tax your, your capital gains on your primary residence. Like, I don't know how far they're going to get with that. That recently that they're... Have you heard this? Well, they just put it... I think they're doing some studies <laughs> to look... <laughs> <laughs> okay. JP, JP's further down the rabbit hole than me. Okay, no, or, I thought or, or or this latest thing where you know the inheritance tax, you know, jacking it up to like seventy five percent or something yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, like yeah, I was yeah. talking to this rancher out west, uh, and they're like, "Yeah, how am I supposed to hand my business down?" Mm -hmm. Like it's crazy. It's, yeah. it's why it's we did, it's why we had that podcast recently, Christian. I don't know if you listen to this one with Sean Moore about whole life insurance because of all the estate tax that we're all mm -hmm. Christian, like just on the real estate portfolio that you're putting together mm -hmm. when you pass away. I always just assumed, you know what my workaround was? I'm like, well, if I have all these properties, but I just put my son or daughter on title, like this is literally where mine yeah. was. Then they're like joint owners. And if I pass away, like it's theirs. You know, mm -hmm. but now I know with the estate laws and the way everything's set up, I'm like, geez, I don't think I'm going to be able to kind of do that kind yeah. of stuff very easily. And the these taxes are, are are crushing. And it's we we sometimes see people come here at Rockstar saying, hey, I've inherited a bunch of property. I need to sell it to pay for the taxes. It's it's nuts. Wow. It's yeah. absolutely nuts. Really? You work yeah. so hard with your family. Yeah, and because because they're ta the, the properties were owned in their 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 let's say their father's name or mother's name. Mm -hmm. They don't have any proper estate planning in place, no life insurance policy, no whole life policies, nothing like that. They, the father or, or parent, both parent, whatever happens, passes away, passes on to the kids. Well, that's taxed. Mm -hmm. So when the government taxes that change of ownership, they don't have the money to pay for that. So imagine, imagine handing mm. down three properties to somebody. But now all of a sudden they get a tax bill from the government saying, well, hey, we heard you just got ownership of three properties. You owe us this much tax. The only way you can pay for the tax is to 
sell some of the assets. Yeah, and the government basically triggers more transactions because now you have to sell this mm -hmm. asset, right? So now it's another transaction. Yeah, there's, and there's of that course. too. There's that so, too. So there's, it's basically more liquidity in the system, right? Because now the brokerage is involved and this sure, and that, yeah, there's right? all that. There may be some renovations. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. There might be a time, I mean, who knows? Listen, Rockstar Real Estate is a brokerage and we're in the middle of a whole bunch of real estate transactions, but everything happening with the new kind of newer technology blockchain stuff. There yeah. could be a time where we can com completely eliminate brokerages, lawyers between that. It, it's going to take some time. It's definitely going to take yeah. some time. But there might be a time where we can, we don't need a third party to transact through. I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility in real estate for sure. Mm -hmm. So at least lawyers, when you think of it, like lawyer, a lot of the lawyer function is what? It's basically confirming that Christian has sent the money to the seller. He's the buyer. And then it's telling the land title office that yes. They'll never be eliminated. There's no <laughs> way. There's no way. They're way too powerful. No, there's no way. Yeah, but you, you, you think that that could be eliminated? No. <laughs> no. no. Oh, man. Um, Christian, what's next for you, man? What's, the, what's next on the, what are the next few years? Um, yeah, trying to grow the business, trying to work with more uh, like-minded individuals and uh and yeah I, I need to start getting some assets outside of this beautiful country as much as i love canada it's um, time you've built up a portfolio and now it's time yeah and and also you know i don't want to wait until i'm 65 totally. to, to like well now i'm gonna go down south like the, uh, th that's something that you know when you talk about your dad and and the drywall and i i can relate to that story with with my parents and and you know they went through uh difficult times uh a lot of blood sweat and tears and you know and by the time they were retired like what now you're gonna go on this cruise that you were talking about like oh no you know we got to save this and save that like it, it's it's nonsense wrong way to live yeah. it's it's you know so so definitely, uh, I, there's a Caribbean island that's on my uh, on my favorites list. It's called uh, Curacao. Cool. I've never yeah. been. I've heard all about it. Yeah, ABC Islands, Aruba, Bonaire, Curacao. So I've been to all three, uh, and then Curacao. I don't know what it is. I, I do know what it is, but it's just a gut feeling. Like I, I'm there. Nobody bothers you. Really good people. Great beaches. Good food. The weather is amazing. Uh, it's outside of the hurricane zone or hurricane belt. So they don't experience hurricanes. Um, and actually, real estate is relatively affordable. Can it's, you get down there right now? Or do they have restrictions because of all this COVID stuff? You can. You? you can. They opened up, uh, I think, six weeks ago. Okay. Um, so you can get there. Uh, if you can get a plane, t a plane ticket yeah, to yeah. get there, you can You can enter the country. Dude, you might um, have to James Bond it, man. Just and there's no masks. Yeah, there's no masks and no. stuff. No. <laughs> Come yeah. on. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, it's my kind of place. Yeah. No, that's an exciting yeah, place to be. Yeah, it's exciting. When we were up at the cottage for a while, we, you know, we weren't wearing masks. And then you come back into the city and it's like masks everywhere again. You're like, holy smokes, what the yeah. hell is going on here? Um, that sounds like a great place. Yeah. But dude, you're going to <laughs> gonna have to get in and out of there before shutdown part two. You might have to get down there right now. I I they might block you out. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see what happens. But I think if we've got a few weeks with the way the no. media is, with the yeah. way the media is already reporting on. Oh, this and that and this, and it's like, oh Jesus. Yeah, yeah, but they're milking, they're milking the attention. Of course right they now. are, they're, but they're, you they know, know that happens. people are yeah. watching. Like, yeah, but, but that milking of all of our attention is just kind of destroying the fabric of society. I feel like mm -hmm. I, I think this is something a few buddies of mine give me a hard time about all the time because I'm like, hey, let's just look at the data on some of this stuff. Like, let's stop looking at the headlines. And when you peel back and you start looking at the data, you're wondering, what are we all doing? Like some wow. of this stuff's crazy. I'm hoping that message gets out there more and further. 
Um, my f- daughter's first day of high school was today. And uh, she had to go in through a specific door into one class that has 15 people. They've split the high school into two groups. The group that wasn't in class today was on, I guess, like the equivalent of a Zoom video, watching the class for three hours. They didn't change classes. They're all in the one class the whole time. She has to scan a barcode thing to use the washroom. Because I guess they're trying. I haven't. I don't fully have yeah, all the information yet to use the washroom. Gross. And, then, and then she said the washroom was like directly to the door to the left of her, but she had to walk in a big circle because you can only one walk, walk one way in the hallways. So she had to go all the way around to the washroom. But there's no one in the hallways. So sad. There's no one. In the so hallways. sad. And you know what? I was like, I was trying to keep it positive for her, right? So I'm like, well, you know what? At least you're out of the house and you're you're, you're there. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, holy smokes, what the heck is happening here? So, uh, yeah, um, I mean, so you get this, no, go ahead. No, I, I, I didn't want to really talk about this topic, but one, one thing I have to mention now is that this whole world we live in is scary enough, but what scares me the most is the censorship that's going on. And if people are listening to this right now, if there's any doctor in, from California, Germany, whatever that ever came out on Facebook or YouTube and went against the, the, the mainstream media narrative or the government narrative, Shut what down. what happened to those videos? Yeah, shut where, down. where are all those videos? Yeah, there was those two good uh, California doctors. Yes, that did the same. Those were two nice guys. I thought very articulate, well spoken. They well, were, and and I yeah, and I agree. And I maybe maybe they're not a hundred percent correct. Maybe maybe they're just fifty percent correct. But what what happened to freedom of speech? What what happened to like why are they getting censored? That's I want to live in a me. world where someone can sit across from Christian, disagree with him but still have his views shared yeah. mm-hmm. and you can disagree back 100%. and let's just have an open dialogue. Like, yeah. To me, that world's exciting. Like I like debating things and talking things through and you know, if, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but let's have a discussion about yeah, it. Exactly. But to just shut people out, it's uh, it's weird to see, right? Those two California doctors freaked me out the most because I, I watched that video and the next day someone texts me like, hey, did you see that video was taken down? I'm like, what the heck? That that didn't even seem controversial. Yeah, no, it went, it went viral. Did you see the Spanish doctor that was just on TV a little uh, last week with subtitles? And the media in Spain were asking him live on TV like, give us the latest counts for infections. And I guess he totally went off script. And he's like, well, did you know half of Spain has a certain type of bacteria or virus that um, predisposes everybody to stomach cancer? But how come we don't talk about that? Oh, and 50%. Sure. And so he just totally went off script. Perfect. And they got, like, you could tell, visibly frustrated trying to pull him back. And he started, he, this guy might, you know, I don't know this guy. He might have been a little crazy. He started flashing some book up on the screen. That I could, <laughs> <laughs> who knows what he was doing? But I just thought the fact that they were visibly upset, instead of just saying, tell us more. Like, tell us more, but like, I didn't yeah. know about that. Like, tell me more. And if I disagree with that doctor and think that COVID is worse than what he's saying, then that's my right. But I still wanted to hear what that doctor said, right? Like, I, let, let's just have the discussion. I can't. Yeah, no, you can't. No. So, um, Christian, if uh, if someone wants to find you, work with you, ask you questions, are you open to that? Can we share? 100%. Okay, so uh, website, URL. Yeah, my website is pro3.ca, P-R-O number 3.ca, and my email address is ck at pro3.ca. ck at pro3.ca and www.pro3.ca. Yes. If you're listening to this, if you go to rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcast in Christian's show notes for this episode, we will put the links to the link to his website there so you can track him down, ask him his real estate questions and all other fun stuff. Thank you. Dude, thank you for doing that. You didn't have to come and share your story. You kind of publicly like this and come on like this. So 
you know, I really think it's um, cool that you did this because there's going to be other people mm. much younger than you listening to this, wondering how they can take the first step. Are you step. implying I'm old? No, no, I'm implying <laughs> that I'm old because I'm older than you, man. And I'm talking about people younger than you. Um, so I think it's oh. going to be a, a really big help for someone to listen to your story. Mm-hmm. So really, thank you. And thank JP, you. thanks for helping him out, man, all these years. And oh. thanks for trusting yeah. us. And thanks Easy. for coming in and hanging out with us. Sorry about those first five properties in the eight months. Man. That was really, <laughs> really Actually, JP really helped me out. Um, I can't say the name of the street. I don't want to say it. But um, the two, the two houses, the two semis. Remember? Oh, yeah. yeah. What did he do? Like, he basically, he, he didn't push me, but he, he really motivated me to go ahead. And it, w- it was a two-in-one deal. Like, it was the same owner, had two properties for sale at the same time. And at that time, it was the crazy Chinese cash that was coming in. Like, uh, you know, cash offers, no inspections, no nothing, no conditions. And um, they were reasonably priced. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were still on the market because he wanted to sell both, right, at the same time. And we wanted the duplex version, and we didn't really want the other side. But it turned out that the other side is probably one of the best properties I've ever I've ever purchased. So you pushed him to buy both. Yeah, I was like, man, this is you got to get this. This is unique, and this is a great yeah. area. Like, the yeah. bank must have thrown up on you. No, it it all worked out in the end, but um, it, it turned into a beautiful short term rental, which I've been running since uh, 2016, pretty much. And uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's been great. Like it's Airbnb, whatever you want to call it, but it's it's been amazing. And uh, I have to thank JP because I had a lot of doubts. It was it was kind of getting to me this whole like, oh, <laughs> you got to buy three properties, and it's like you know it was it was overwhelming, right? But but JP held my hand, and he's like. Son, and you know, <laughs> son, but and you know what? I think that's the value of having a team around you. And I'm not trying to say Experience, Christian that we're yeah. the be- best or anything, or JP is the best. And I mm-hmm. just mean someone that's going to have your back and look out for your best interests. Yeah. I think having the team is. We can all read the books about real estate, but having the team oh. around you that's going to the lawyers, the paralegals, yeah. JP Gulbis next to your side. To me, that's the thing that I feel most proud about when. We talk about rock star. 100%. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, the experience is invaluable. I mean, um, and, and another note to all the listeners, um, I've re- I'm have i a research guru. I research a lot of things, a, a, a lot. <laughs> and uh, I've been to all these events and GTA this and real estate and whatever. And Rockstar is by far, hands down, the, the best content, the best support system that you can... Uh, you can be a part of and i i mean that and i'm actually paying to say that i'm not getting paid to say it because yeah. i'm a vip member yeah cool thanks man that yeah. means a lot i yeah. appreciate thank that christian no but it's it's comes from it, it's it's the real deal so thank you man thanks, fun to man. watch your journey can't wa- i can't wait to hear the next step and come visit you on your island one day yes <laughs> thank you yeah hey everyone so hopefully you enjoyed that it's really fun to bring on somebody who you know, wanted to become a full-time investor, wanted to get out of the nine to five kind of rat race, has done it, and now he's sharing his story. Like I said, there's definitely layers to Christian, so we definitely will bring him back to discuss more things about just life, the world, the economy, what he's doing next. Um, Christian, if you're listening to this, thank you for sitting down and sharing your story. Really appreciate that. If you are listening to this and you want to become a Rockstar Inner Circle member as well, you can go to www.rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash member to check out all the benefits. That's it for now. Until next time, your life, your terms.